Welcome to the Well Woman Show. Each episode is a transformational journey using mindfulness, feminism, leadership, and strategy to support you to thrive personally, generate wealth, and impact your community. Emotional abuse is like a poison. It's under your skin all the time. It's overt or covert. It would be a sentence they tell you or an action they take, a little comment they make, or a very gross comment they make. The emotional abuse is ongoing. And it becomes so much of a habitual abuse that desensitizes us to the point that we don't know it's happening to us. And now, here's your host, feminist thought leader, London School of Economics grad, leadership consultant, and transformational coach, Giovanna Rossi. Hello, Well Women. On the Well Women Show, as you know, we talk a lot about the needs and challenges of high-achieving women. We are often um, going at 110%, and we find it hard to really prioritize our own needs sometimes. And so the topic of the show today is going to be very interesting for for a lot of you and perhaps pretty eye-opening. We're going to talk today about the myth that only underprivileged women experience abuse, both physical and emotional. We're going to talk about the differences between physical and emotional abuse and also why we need to teach empathy to everyone, including men. And to talk to me about this today is Dr. Angela Malis, who just published her new book called Smart, Successful, and Abused. And it'll be released this month if you're listening uh, as this show publishes in September 2019. Um, I have the book right in front of me. And it's called Smart, Successful, and Abused, The Unspoken Problem of Domestic Violence and the High Achieving Female. So this is an incredible story from a very highly respected doctor of chronic pain. Um, She's been an advisor to the Ontario Health uh, Ministry, published more than 130 scientific papers, trained people internationally, lectured around the world. She's highly regarded in her field, and she tells both the personal story and the professional story, and she brings it all together, which I love because so many of us are doing this, right? I mean, I talk about this with my own life and experience in that I work on issues professionally that I that I actually really experience personally as well. So it's like the personal and the professional really overlaps, and... It's an incredible conversation. I loved getting to know Dr. Malis um, during this interview. You can find all the information and links mentioned today at wellwomanlife.com slash 178 show. And you can also continue the conversation with us in the Well Woman Life community group at wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook. And uh, welcome back to those of you who are regular listeners. I have been having so much fun hearing from you. We're getting so many new listeners from all different countries and areas of the world finding the show on all these different podcast platforms that my editor, Sienna, has been getting us on. It's so exciting. And of course, we're on NPR. So many of you find us there. If you find the show helpful and inspiring and provocative, do go on to iTunes and leave a review. It actually really 
uh, helps us connect with you, know what you like about the show and raise visibility for other women to be able to find the show. And um, on that note, you can share your love of the well woman show with your friends by just sending them the link, you know, that would, that would be awesome if you would spread the love. So well woman show is thankful for support from natural awakenings magazine in New Mexico and high desert yoga in Albuquerque. And now to my interview with Dr. Angela Malis. I'm speaking with Dr. Malis today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Dr. Malis, I want to start by asking you, who are you in the world today? I happen to be a doctor specializing in pain medicine. I have been practicing for 37 years in Canada, where I received most of my training. And I'm a professor at the University of Toronto. I'm a researcher. I'm very well known around the world for my work in pain. I have written a previous book, popular science book on pain, forwarded by Oliver Sacks. And uh, locally, I'm very active as an activist physician. I am the chair of a not-for-profit organization for patients with pain. I'm an advisor to the local Ministry of Health and all kinds of other things. And I um, I direct a unique interdisciplinary pain program uh, just outside Toronto. So let's say professionally, I'm a very, very busy physician. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. And I'm sure you have other things going on in your life as well, besides your work, like uh, family and things that you enjoy doing? Very much so. I have two adult sons, age uh, 32 uh, or 33 and 34. One is a chiropractor. The oldest one is my IT and senior manager. And uh, they both work with us in, in our pain and wellness center, this, this big interdisciplinary uh, community-based clinic. And um, my younger son is married. And uh, I am married. I am um, married for about 19 years now to my second husband. And um, I, um, I have other little things. I, uh, I have spent 13 years of my life uh, in martial arts. And I have a black belt in Taekwondo. And I ride motorcycles to this day. And um, things like that. And I write. Awesome. It's great to know a little bit more about who you are. And so, Dr. Malis, I want to start by asking you... What are you working on and how does it impact women's lives and well-being? Well, in terms of women, since I was a very, very young age, I was always an advocate. Uh, since I was a, a kid who didn't fit anywhere, had a big mouth always, and um, always fought for women's rights, even when I was back in Greece where I was born. And then over the course of years, um, my whole approach has been uh, how to empower uh, not just women, but to empower people to be the best they can be and stand up for themselves and change the system. So I have done that through my professional career, through my books, through public speaking, through um, writing articles, through uh, advocacy, all kinds of other things. Okay, let's dig into that a little bit because I find that fascinating. I I love that you work on empowering women and, and your work has has taken you there, even though, you know, technically you're like a pain doctor. So you've really obviously branched out. And I also just want to pick up on something you said, which is you empower women, but you also are working on changing the system. And I think those two perspectives are so important 
in these in these days. Um, how how do you do that? So you know, working individually with women, but then also changing systems. I was told when I was young that a single heart doesn't pull the cart. And I learned in my life that that's exactly what happens. A single horse can pull the cart. And I always remember what Stephen Jobs said. Those crazy people who think they can change the world, they are the ones who go and do it. So that kind of principle was my principle all along. And I have always said that I don't have dreams. Dream is like winning the lottery. I have visions. I want to go from point A to B, so I plan how I'm going to go to point B. So in order to do that, you have to think out of the box. You have to be outside the mainstream. You have to have a bird's eye view to see the yesterday, today, and tomorrow to be able to project this is how I have run my whole life in everything that I do. And the consequences of my actions are the ones really that determine what my actions would be. So that's, that's more or less the compass I had to govern me since I was a young kid. Okay, that's great context because I want to ask you about your book that is just being released in September 2019 called Smart, Successful, and Abused, The Unspoken Problem of the of Domestic Violence and the High-Achieving Female. So in terms of what we were just talking about, how do you work with women to, and then change systems as well, especially women who are in an abusive relationship? In the first place, that was more of a surprise as I got into that because I was one of those women, the powerhouses outside the house, and then something else getting into the house, and that was in my first marriage that I dissolved in 1995. I didn't know much. I didn't even know what was happening to me when I discovered that that was the term of the condition I was emotionally abused. Then I became very curious. I said, mm, how often does this happen? And then talking to people, the floodgates would open, and people who would never speak to me, women, before, oh, me too. Oh, me too. Yes, that's my situation. And then I started doing what I do as a scientist. I keep a ledger. I keep a diary of every encounter, of every story. And then they were piling up and piling up. And I said, okay, this is not a rare phenomenon. This is simply a phenomenon that nobody speaks about that happens to a particular class of women. And it is against our common concept of what abuse is. And then I became the scientist I always was to look at the prevalence, how frequent, who does that, why, and what and then then what became a very common knowledge to me is that it's a topic that is not talked about so somebody had to come out and do the job and i said okay that's part of my work if i talk others will and i have given talks and you would be very surprised to see that once you talk somebody waits for me at the end of the stage and it will be the all women the director of this and the director of that and the senior partner of this, just to tell me that she is in the shoes I used to wear. So by talking, by provoking conversations, by lifting the lid on a hush-hush topic that nobody talks about, I think this sets a movement. This liberates women. And that is what I would like to do with this book. And actually not even gone out. It's going out September of 2019. Right. Yeah. So um, 
you know, just to kind of recap here, you uh, basically have lifted the lid on this idea that high achieving women, so high profession, highly, highly educated and professional women are experiencing abuse in, in all different forms. Um, and they, and, and it's, it's sort of a hush hush and people don't really talk about it. Can you, can you explain Dr. Malis, what is the difference between emotionally abusive and physically abusive? Physical abuse, I broke your bones. You have a black eye. It comes in spurs. It comes in waves. It's intermittent. Emotional abuse is like a poison. It's under your skin all the time. It's overt or covert. It would be a sentence they tell you or an action they take, a little comment they make or a very gross comment they make. The emotional abuse is ongoing. And it becomes so much of a habitual abuse that desensitizes us to the point that we don't know it's happening to us. And so what are the, what's the impact of that on a woman who may not know it's even happening? It's the same thing that it was with me. A year after my divorce, my secretary gave me a book from Patricia Evans that had an X number of points. The title is, uh, have you been emotionally abused? And if you scored two or something, you had been abused, I scored the majority. So I went out to my secretary and I said, Anna, do you really know what was happening to me all these 27 years? I was emotionally abused, smart, a year after my divorce. So what I'm trying to, uh, to say is that many times we don't even know it. We know the gross. We know we feel unwell. But sometimes women confuse that state of what happens to us at home with what is norm for culture. So, but you got divorced without even knowing that this was happening. So some, something was wrong and, and you, you had a reason, you had a reason to get divorced, even though you, you hadn't really named it until afterwards. That's right. And the reason is that I went through stages, like the stages of grief in the beginning. Oh my God, it's my fault. I provoked this barrage of insults because I did something wrong. And then I became very depressed. There are stages. And then I started realizing, just a moment, this is not all my fault. This didn't seem to be reasonable. And then as the time went by and took years, the sorrow gets, uh, at least in my case, was changed to anger. Anger and slow burning resentment. And then that is what propelled me to get out at some point. And of course, there were other circumstances that I describe in the book, because nobody will believe you that you know a topic unless they know you have been in it. And so, Dr. Malis, what are some of the signs of emotional abuse in case we have listeners who might identify that uh, as you speak? Demeaning comments. And as I said, there are overt and covert. There are simple little sentences that you could be told. And there are gross issues of control not seeing your friends, not controlling your money, being questioned, being secluded, not being allowed to go to your social environment or bring your family home, being told things about your appearance, about your brains, about what you bring home, your capacity to be a sexual partner or a mother to your kids, uh, being down from the little things from the food that is never good on the table, that you never get a compliment for what you did good. But if you do something, a, a, little, a little bit more salt, you hear it until the next day. All of those things, and of course, 
calling this. I mean, you're not good enough to be for this. And uh, compare your, yourself being compared to somebody else that presumably has much bigger looks, better looks, or brings more money at home. All of those types of things. Okay, those are some great examples, I think, that listeners can really relate to. And I want to ask you, um, when you say high achieving women, why is it that high achieving women experience this in such great numbers? And are their partners also high achieving generally, or are they lower achieving than them? Very interesting, because I have dwelled in research in that. One thing that as I was going through the book and searching and searching, became very clear that as we get now to the stage where so many more women are out in the workplace, one third of all couples in the Western world, the woman is making more money than men. The more we achieve in, uh, in the workplace, the more money we bring at home. There are numerous studies that show that are we, we are in disadvantage. It seems that one of the theories is that as there is more equality in the workplace, in the outside work, in the outside world, men are losing the outside privilege and try to reassertain themselves within the home front. And so uh, it has been clearly shown in studies, and I have many in the book, that if you're making over 65, I mean, if you make over a certain amount of money, you are more likely to be cheated. Uh, it, the other thing that is very important is that women uh, feel that to appease their partners because the partners feel less monthly, these women who work so hard outside the house, they come and do more housework than other comparable women who are not high achievers or bring more money at home. So uh, this is something that is happening in this generation. I mean, in the not not in the fifth, the age of fifty, sixty, or seventy, because we were the first ones who broke the glass ceiling. But we see that with the women of the thirties and the forties, in the the prime of their time, and we see that that discrepancy. And also, we see that many of these men are not as achievers are the as the women. So the women tend to kind of marry down. And there are all kinds of balances that have been changing in the present generation and a couple of generations before. Yeah, this is not a surprise to me. I, 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 I can see that you have found that uh, very important research that shows that. And I wonder, you know, um, what, what it's going to take to kind of re-educate men, really, right? Because it's, it's really men's uh, perception of what it is to be a man that's driving this? I think it's re-education of both sexes. Um, as I said, men are losing the privilege in the workplace. So, and I have seen that personally on numerous occasions where colleagues internationally known have opened up all paths and boardrooms to women scientists but when it comes to their own personal life, they keep a tight leash on the woman at home and they flee away from well-educated and uh, smart women because they can't cope with them in, 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 in the personal front. You need a special kind of man to be able to be steady and uh, self-confident to stand with a professional woman 
who is very successful in the outside world. You need you need a special kind of man to be able to be self-sufficient and self-confident. So there is balance in the couple. Um, so, so that's one thing. The, the other thing that um, I have to say, so you educate the men and thank God I see a change. I see a change in my, uh, my sons. They're in the mid thirties. I see change in my young colleagues. I see that they are more, um, more open to that level of equality, both at home and at work. I see them with uh, paternity leaves. I see them caring for the young ones much more than previous generations did. So I think there is a shift there. On the other hand, women have to ascertain themselves and not for us to feel guilty that we're achievers, that maybe we bring more money home than the husband. We have to educate ourselves. And also the other thing that I made in the book is that as women, apart from culture, apart from the way we are taught since we were in the cradle, apart from the overall environment, there are some, I believe, inherent vulnerabilities we have as we, as women. And I think there are some biological reasons for that. I was very intrigued by experiments that my colleague, Jeff McGill in Montreal, had done in, in rats and mice. He wanted to find out where whether empathy was something that was only happening in the human world. And it's not. It happens even in the animal world, in the little mice and the rat, if you put them in a cage together, they grow in their bodies. You put a male in a situation of distress, the female that watches him jumps all around because he's very upset that he's suffering. She feels for his pain. If you reverse the order, you put the female in the situation of pain, the male, what do you think he's doing? Nada, watching her. So my call is that we have to be aware that we have a softer heart. There are studies that have taken kids, eight to 11, 12 years old from many, many countries with questionnaires in terms of empathy, universally, no matter what culture, no matter what country you are, the girls score much higher in empathy by the age of nine or 10. So there's something internal to us in our gender that makes our heart bigger and maybe more vulnerable to be subjects of abuse. Dr. Malis, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back with Superpowers for Success. I'm so thankful for support from Natural Awakenings Magazine in New Mexico, a monthly green healthy lifestyle publication, and for support from High Desert Yoga, promoting optimum physical health, clarity of mind, and spiritual inspiration for all. Whether you're just starting your journey or you've been on it for months or even years, the Well Woman Jumpstart is a great place to begin. You might want to know, what's the outcome? How will I benefit from this? If you want to reach the income, impact, or intimacy goals you have, you can jump right in with this awesome jumpstart. You'll learn what your unique superpower is, which is super important for everything else you'll be working on in your life. You'll learn proven tools to address your particular challenge. You'll get real clarity about your life and your big goals and challenges. And you'll get to talk to me, Giovanna, one-on-one, and I'll give you feedback and insight specifically on your goal or challenge. If you're ready to jump in, go to wellwomanlife.com slash jumpstart. 
If you're ready to intuitively reveal the steps to meet your needs using breath and sound, create your own exciting action plan using movement and journaling, and explore integrating this plan with your present life through special yoga poses and relaxation, then join me, Giovanna Rossi, and Zore Afsarsadeh, the owner of High Desert Yoga, at a special workshop on October 20th at High Desert Yoga in Albuquerque, New Mexico. You can go to wellwomanlife.com slash events for more information on how to register. These workshops do sell out, so don't delay. Get on over there and register. The workshop is called Reclaim Your True Purpose. Make life transitions with ease and joy. If that sounds like something you want to do, join us on October 20th, and I hope to see you there. And we're back with Dr. Angela Malis on the Well Woman Show, and we're starting the segment called Superpowers for Success. Dr. Malis, I want to ask you a few quick questions that help uh, our listeners learn from your own life and experience. And the first question is, what does success in life mean for you? Uh, success means to fulfilling your your goals or targets. And feel internal peace and a a, a sense of satisfaction. I guess that's success. And it may be different for me or for anybody else because we don't always have the same measure of success. And Dr. Malis, you have had a a long and varied career. Um, When did you know you were really good at what you do? Since I was a toddler. From the very beginning, I knew what I was very good and I knew what I was not good at all. Since I was very young, I was a strange, isolated kid who was um, always very competitive, always wanted to reach for the stars. Didn't have many friends in the beginning. So I I think I knew that. I I knew I was different since a very young age. Mm. Okay, that's so interesting because I think many women know that when they're really young, like you just said, but then they, they forget it, or they're socialized to focus on other things. And and then it's not until later in their lives that they reconnect with that. Did that happen to you? Uh, no, I was always connected with who I was, because I was one direction person from the very beginning. And my drive was always that for education and science. That was the single drive that I remember since a youngster that has propelled me throughout. So everything else that happened never derailed me from that path, from the science, the the uh, the learning, the research, everything. I never derailed from that. I'm 67 years old, and I don't ever remember to be derailed from that single path. Mm. Okay. And can you describe a personal habit you have that contributes to your own well-being so that you can do all that you do in the world? A personal habit. Sleep little. Thank God I'm privileged to be able to sleep four and a half to five hours all my life and operate very well. So that's one thing. Love what you're doing, which is, you know, my work and my family is my life, and work hard. That's the only three recipes I have for myself. Okay, so how do you relax? Because that doesn't sound very relaxing, working hard and not sleeping. <laughs> you see, relaxation, relaxation is a, a relative term. I'm not the type of person who can sit still, but I can cook. I'm a very good cook. I can garden. I'm a very good gardener. That's relaxation for me because it just takes me away I don't think of my papers. I don't think of my research. When I garden, I think of the flowers and my hands full of dirt. 
And I don't think of these things when I cook. I love cooking. I spend hours cooking. So that's my relaxation. It doesn't have to be somewhere silent and doing nothing. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I talk about that a lot with my well woman community about meditative activities. So, you know, you don't have to be sitting on a cushion being silent. You can be cooking or gardening or walking or whatever. And be in it. Be in it. Be totally devoted to the activity you do. Being focused. That's another kind of meditation because you're focused in what you're doing. Yeah. What superpower did you discover you had only to realize it was there all the time? I think the biggest thing for me is to be able to break where I was for so many years. I, um, I was split in two and I couldn't understand why I had two different selves, one outside the house and one inside. And then I, I guess the biggest superpower is to, to try to be one thing. The same thing inside the house and outside, uniting these two selves. I think that was the conclusion of where the superpower lay. Be one person instead of two. And did you align those two when you had your divorce? Was that the, the critical point or was there something else? Yes, yes, yes. Um, prior to this, what led me to the divorce is um, when I fell for physical fitness because I was so laughed at for my appearance or my inactivity from my ex that I said, bring me a machine at home. I have two kids. I can't go to the gym. And then I fell in love with Nordy Track and I became very persistent. And then I joined dance classes and then I joined martial arts classes and then I joined the gym. Fitness was the biggest ally I ever had to get me out of the hole where I was because I started liking myself. Yeah. And this is how I discovered that I liked myself through fitness. Oh, I love that. And now you're a black belt. Yes, I am not uh, in my martial arts for a few years now because, of course, I had a motorcycle accident. I ended up, that's all lifestyle choices. I ended up with an artificial knee. So I'm back in the gym big time, but I just don't kick. When you uh, you are a kicker, as we are in Taekwondo, you use 75% of your legs. I don't do that, but I'm hard on weights and on my elliptical and on my training. So I just had to modify my training. And of course, I still ride my bike. Okay. Uh, that's what I was going to ask you is, do you still go and ride your motorcycle? Yes, ma'am. I do. Okay. Do you ride with your sons or do you have like a women's riding club? No, no. I was always a lone rider. I used to ride with my husband. He said he grew up enough not to need and he sold all his bikes. I didn't. <laughs> so so that's the difference. I'm, I'm, I'm a very stubborn person. I don't like to lose. So I still have the uh, the big bike, which I have converted to a trike. It's a massive monster. Um, I still have it in my garage, and I, I ride every little time I can. Awesome. I used to ride a motorcycle years ago. I don't anymore, but... Um... So I share I share that love of being on a motorcycle with you. <laughs> so last couple of questions. What advice would you give your younger self, your 25 or 30 year old self? I wish I had a book like the one I wrote to be an eye opener. I wish I knew then what I know now. And uh, I am very interested in teaching the young women who may have been in my position. They don't even know it. Do you think you do you think you would have listened to that? Uh, reading the book, I would, because I would have seen so many stories, so many stories that I wouldn't believe they were real, but they are all. And uh, once you start seeing yourself in other people's stories, it starts clicking into your head. 
Uh, and I think I would. I would have been shocked. Dr. Malis, do you identify as a feminist? I would say I am with uh, reservations because I have a big mouth and I'm not very fond of political correctness. So I call it as I see it at all times. That sounds pretty feminist to me. <laughs> okay, what are you reading right now? What's on your nightstand? All science, politics, finances, world history. These are the types of things I do all the time. And so since you brought up politics, you live in Canada. You have a very different situation there than we do in the U.S. right now. Mm -hmm. Does it feel good to have the leadership you have there in your country? Very much so. I feel privileged to be in this country. Remember, I was born in Greece and all of that. I left a different world there uh, when I came to Canada. But remember, there is no ideal country. There's no such a thing. There are no heavens. But the only thing is when you compare one country with the other. And I would say, with all due respect, we're about 100 times better than your present situation. I'm absorbed the Canadian politics, European politics, and American politics on a daily basis. That's all I can tell you. Mm. Uh, and since you brought up Greece, do you go back there and visit? Um, I go every few years. Um, and, uh, I don't have, I only have my sister and my nieces there and classmates and all of that. Uh, I am in Canada for 41 years and home has changed very, very much Greece, but I became a lot more Greek when I went to Canada than I was there because I was able to appreciate my whole history, my antiquities, a whole world. I came to Canada and I was impressed by the reaction of people who were seeing a 120 year old home. And I said, but my grand's, my grandma's mansion was 150 years old. My uncle is, is 3,500 years old. What are these people admiring? So I became a lot more Greek since I came to Canada. Yeah, I, I relate to that. Um, last question for you. What makes a good leader? There are two types of leaders. Those who push and those who pull. Somebody put a string on the table and show it exactly that. If you push a string from the back, it only crumbles and doesn't move. If you pull the string, it goes wherever you go. So you have to be that kind of leader, pull by example, not push and oppress. I love that. Dr. Malis, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you very much, my dear friend. I enjoyed the conversation. That's it for our show today. Remember, if you need support to live your Well Woman life, head over to wellwomanlife.com slash Facebook to join us. Our monthly live event, Well Woman Drinks, brings women together to share our successes and challenges as women, leaders, moms, aunts, sisters, and all the other roles we carry. If you'd like to attend a Well Woman Drinks near you, or if there isn't one in your city yet and you'd like to start one, email info at wellwomanlife.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and subscribe in iTunes and leave a review. This helps raise visibility, which is super helpful when it comes to producing the show every week. For feedback, comments, or just to let me know you are listening, today, find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Well Woman Life. I'm Giovanna Rossi for The Well Woman Show. Until next time, have a super powerful week. <laughs> <laughs>